This is Food First Michigan on 760 WJR. Sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food secure state, and by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome everyone, and thanks for listening. John Van Hingle is known as the father of food banking. John was born in Wisconsin, but moved to California and was the quintessential beach bum, surfer. And there he met and married his wife, and together they had two sons. That marriage ended, and John returned to Wisconsin, where he worked in a rock quarry. Quite a difference from the beaches of California. But that wasn't the biggest change that was coming to John. The next change would create ripples of positive change that are still being felt today. John intervened in a bar fight in Wisconsin, and as often the case, he was injured. Doctors suggested he return to a warmer climate and recover, so off to Phoenix, Arizona, where he joined the YMCA and swam himself back to health. It was at this point in John's life where he realized significance was more important than even success. And as a result, he took a vow of poverty and determined to use the rest of his one handful of life in service. So he bought a vehicle for $150 and began to pick up unsellable food from grocery stores and distributed to agencies that wanted to help their communities. Noticing this, the St. Mary's Basilica gave John $3,000 to start what is known as America's First Food Bank. Today, Jerry and I will talk about the fundamentals of our work in Michigan. What is a food bank? Who do we serve? And who helps us do this work? Join us next for this edition of Food First Michigan. back, everyone. Thanks for being with Jerry and I today. Jerry Brisson, the CEO and president at Gleaners Community Food Bank and the president for the board of directors at the Food Bank Council of Michigan. And there are so many other titles that I could say and list about you. But, <laughs> you know, yeah. but you re- it you would really- just be boring, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. It, it um, you know, Jerry, I'm really uh, just say this to our listeners. It's really fun to see some of the things that are happening in your career. Um, you know, the the influence that you're garnering uh, both here in the state, but also nationally uh, within our network about uh, this work of food banking. And so I'm pretty excited today that we're going to, invest our time in a show that really explains some of the fundamentals uh, uh, about our work and and why it's so important. So I think we have the right person to do that, and that's you. And so let me just ask you, um, you've been in this work for over 30 years. Yeah. Uh, uh, you have a great historical perspective, but yet you and your team are so innovative and driving positive change, which is the mark of any great leader uh, for this work. 
And uh, the National Network has uh, recognized Gleaners as its food bank of the year. So lots of allocates to back up that you are a subject matter expert on this work. And yeah. so, well, thank you. And, you know, I have to tell it to myself periodically just to remember it's true. <laughs> well, well, call me when you need a, when you need a reminder. I'm, I'm happy to, 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 to pump you up a little bit. So let me, let me start by saying that we really want this show to cover, as I said in the monologue, the fundamentals of what is a food bank, what does a food bank do, and, and some of the nuances of our work. So let's start with that, Jerry. Um, help us understand what is a food bank. So there's so many places to possibly start with that, but I'm going to start with when people talk about the food bank, the first hurdle to overcome is that it's not a pantry, right? So, so I'm going to start with what it's not. Oh, a okay. pantry is where people from the community come to get food. Right? Mm -hmm. There's different kinds of pantries. They're designed different ways. Some pantries are mobile and they're just off the back of a truck. Some are in churches. Some are in community centers. But a pantry is where the community comes to get food. A food bank is where the pantries come to get food. Right Now, we have more than pantries that we work with. We work with pantries and schools and other places, but fundamentally, the first thing to understand about a food bank is that unless we're running a pantry in addition to the food bank, it is not a pantry, right? And pantries don't do the same thing that food banks do, even though a lot of people use the word interchangeably. They say, oh, I went to the food bank. Well, no, you really didn't. You went to a pantry. And I only say that because... When we tour people at Gleaners, about, I'd say, more than half the time, their first reaction is, oh, my gosh, this looks like a Costco. And it's <laughs> right, like, right. but that's what a food bank is, right? But what were they expecting? They were expecting to see a food pantry. Mm -hmm. so, so the other thing I, I would start out with with a food bank is, while we have facilities and trucks and things to move a lot of food, what a food bank really is is a network. It's, it's the hub of a network, and that network starts with where the food comes from, whether it's purchased or donated. It's government programs that we intersect with, right? It's, it's financial donors and philanthropy. It's that part of the network that, that makes it possible so that we can do the rest of the part of the network, which is work with our, in Michigan, literally thousands of partners who are seeing people from the community who need emergency food assistance and providing them with that face-to-face -face contact so that those people can get the help they need. So when you think about the food bank, we would be nothing if it weren't for the network, right? Mm -hmm. It really is a network. And our primary job is to focus on systems. Right. So now we have to be very concerned about individuals and we are and we have a lot of contact because most food banks have programs in addition to just running the food bank part of our work. We have a nutrition education programs and programs designed for schools and healthcare, And, you know, so we do have a lot of contact with the people who get service from the network. 
but we're primarily concerned about systems. So I'll, I'll, I want to tell a story from my personal life. I, I worked at one of our biggest pantry partners for about eight years. And, and it was amazing to me to watch the Capuchins do their work with people. They would treat everyone with a tremendous amount of respect and dignity. And in fact, whatever other appointments there were that day, when you were in front of a Capuchin or the people employed by the Capuchin Soup Kitchen where I worked, you were the most important person in the room. It was mm. amazing, right? But as a result of that individualized attention, there might be 200 people in line that never get any time. Right. So, so food banks have to manage that part, right? How do we create systems so that while that good and dignified and wonderful work is happening at the pantry, there's somebody else who's able to reach all those other people who are food insecure and need help. And to think about who are all the people that need to be part of this network so that we can create food security for everyone who needs it. So I'm going to just repeat a couple things for the sake of clarity. A food bank is not a food pantry. A food pantry is where people get food. A food bank is where pantries get food, right? So we start there. And a food bank is a network that works with getting donations of both money and food and then getting the food particularly, and sometimes money and other resources to that network of agencies and pantries that give out the food but also other partnerships that help drive the end to food insecurity in the community. So let me give you some raw numbers on that, Jerry. Um, so there are seven Feeding America food banks that are a part of the Food Bank Council that serve our state. And between those seven, they serve all of Michigan's 83 counties. Now, how do they do that? They, those seven have a total network of somewhere between 2,800 and 3,000 different pantries spread across the state. So I think that is what the difference you're talking about. And I really like how you say that, that uh, a pantry is where people come to get food and a food bank is where the pantry comes to get food. It's like simplistic, that. but it covers the, the basic idea of why when people say food bank, it's not really a pantry. You know, it's, it's something different, right? Right, right. Yeah, that happens quite a bit. That's yeah. so that so and then we are the hub, you say, of a network. And in our in Michigan, um, I guess we are seven hubs that have a network totaling somewhere around twenty eight hundred, three thousand different pantries. And then we're 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 adding to those partners in different areas of, of or sectors of the state, such as health care and education, social services, uh, in order to uh, make sure that we're getting the right coverage all over the state for all the people who are in need of emergency food. And because we're systems people, we are also looking at how to make things better. We're looking at all of the programs, whether it's a government program like SNAP, which used to be called food stamps, or whether it's a nutrition program in school, or whether it's the emergency food assistance program, whatever programs that we work with, we look at, well, what is the most beneficial way to put the system together so that 
it's efficient and cost-effective and scalable and sustainable so that the safety net works for everyone who needs it, right? So it's we're not just tactical, right? We're not just getting food from here to right. there. We're also saying, how do we make this whole thing work better? And that's what's driving innovation today. It's, it's making things work better. So we know the problem isn't solved, and that means the system needs to be bigger. But does bigger mean more expensive? Not always. Sometimes bigger just means do it better with the money that you've already got. Right, and so you're looking at efficiency, and you're looking at the the whole way that it takes for people to not have the toxic stress of food insecurity in their home. We're discussing what is a food bank, and you know what is what isn't a food bank, and we're also going to talk about some of the nuances of the work and how this network came to be. He's Jerry Bisson. I'm Dr. Phil Knight, and we're back in just a moment. Contact the Food Bank Council of Michigan at fbcmich.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. WJR and all you, wherever you get your favorite podcasts from, and certainly we have to be one of your favorites. So uh, thanks for listening wherever you're listening. Uh, Jerry, we're talking about what fundamentally what is a food bank. You you you, you just you know, put the cookies on the right shelf there. I even understood it. And uh, that's, that, that's always a good thing. Um, you know, but uh, food banks are working through a network of pantries, in our case here in Michigan, of over 2,800 different pantries. And as you said, there's lots of different kinds of pantries. But, but you know, a pantry's in business, a food bank's in business, because people need food. They need help. They need someone to come alongside of them. And so who are those people and why are they there? Yeah, and why do people even work at a food bank is the answer to the same question because of the people, right? It's people who care about people and that's why everyone who gets involved in this work gets involved ultimately is because of who we serve. And so I want to start with the top three things that that create a need for emergency and supplemental food assistance. And those things are unemployment or underemployment, the loss of a breadwinner from the home, usually due to a death or a divorce, and health care crises. Those are the things, those are the, the urgent things that happen in people's lives that create the need for a systematic approach to dealing with uh, food insecurity. And, and again, they're not the only things, but they're the big drivers, right? The things that have always been happening. And I will say, though people tell us sometimes that we should be putting ourselves out of business, I don't believe that will ever be possible. There will always be a need for the safety net because even in the best economies, there is some unemployment and some underemployment everywhere in the world. This isn't something you can just fix. There, there, there will be the loss of breadwinners from the home due to death and divorce. Yeah. That will happen. And there will be health care crises. We are not going to have a perfectly healthy society ever. It's never going to happen. Now, we can affect all those things. But fundamentally, we got to have a safety net 
always, right? We will never be totally out of business. So, so that being said, you have people going through these crises in their lives. Now, we also know that people make choices that aren't always the best choices, too. It's not just systems. It's also people, people who don't have uh, enough money, but they have a couple kids. And, and you say, well, could they have chosen something different? I don't know. But the bottom line is you have to care for those kids regardless. And so you, 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 when you look at who comes for help, a lot of those things are because stuff happens in life that you can't control. And some of those things are because we do make bad choices and none of us are perfect. And so we take all of that put together and we say, you know, there, there will always be and there is people who need our help. But the good news is when they get help, most people don't keep using it forever and ever and ever. True. It's just, it's another thing people think that, oh my God, once somebody gets help, they're now, you know, totally, they're going to be stuck in that system. They're never going to get out. But that's not our experience. Um, our experience is that people need help for a few months and they they want to help themselves first. By and large, it doesn't mean there aren't exceptions to the rule, but by and large, the people that come and get help, get the help and then move on. So, mm -hmm. so the the who we help are people who are having a crisis in their life for a couple of really important reasons that are never going to go away entirely and we try to give them enough so they don't have to worry about do i have all the food i need for my household that's that's the the basics of it well then you say yeah but jerry who are they well 40 percent of the people we help are members of households under 18 years of old or 18 years of age, that is. 17% are over 60. Over half have mm -hmm. at least one employed adult in the home. Over half, right? 63% receive food stamps or SNAP, which means 37% don't, right? 93% <laughs> of the children who are being served through the pantry network are participating in a school lunch program, right? So that means they have to be at 180% of poverty or below, but 68% are at or below the poverty line. Wow. Those are just some of the who of who we serve. So what does a pantry do? A pantry develops trust in the community that here is a place you can come without judgment to get a good mix of food that's going to help you make it through the end of the month. When you've got more month than money, as a wise man often says, <laughs> the pantry is there to help you make sure that you can get what you need that's not too far away for you to travel. And so that pantry network, which is largely made up of volunteers, exists to be that link between the people who need the help and the food bank and the network of supporters that want to help all the people in those situations. And so, um, so they do things like they welcome people, they, they keep track of who's coming in some basic ways, they ask some basic questions about income and, and what's, what's bringing this person here today. They, they do a lot of face-to-face -face really caring and having empathy for the people that come. They show them how to, how to use the system. Now we have a lot of pantries in our network who are collecting some basic amounts of data so we know things like how far did people have to travel and did you get everything you wanted and needed today, right? 
So pantries are the places where that fundamental work with people and, and collecting some information that helps us make the system better and, and really more important than anything else that are giving hope and care to people who truly are in a crisis in their life. Hey, Jerry, we talk a lot about on the history of this show about uh, new partners. So we asked the question, right, who wins when we win? And so we figured out early on that it was very difficult for us to achieve third grade reading level uh, by third grade if kids are struggling and are food insecure. And, um, you know, as a wise man I hang around once said, or said many times, you cannot have a food secure student in a food insecure home. Right. So, you know, so food insecurity and partnerships with education, uh, particularly title buildings, are, is very important. Healthcare, we've spent a lot of our time uh, with healthcare, and then we think about social services, how do we interact with them. For people who, like you said, that don't that make too much money for SNAP, but they don't make enough money to be self-sufficient. And so that's where food banks can really come alongside of folks and our, and our network. Uh, so, but to say about healthcare and education and social services, we're really standing on the shoulders of the pantry network. And that's, and it should be noted, I think, that these are truly volunteers who are motivated to serve their community. They really are. And, and the other thing is, however food needs to be distributed, whether it's through education or through health care or in partnership with, with you know, businesses that, that, that pay low wages or, or whoever, you know, whoever can partner with us who has a vested interest in, in helping to solve this, pantries are going to be essential. People are going to have to have some place to get food, and they might not want to get it at the doctor's office. They might not want to get it at a place of employment. They might not want to get it directly at the school where their kids go, right? They might rather go to a really well-designed, dignified, efficient pantry that looks like a grocery store and pick the things they need. And, you know, that, that, and so whatever our partnerships look like in terms of who really has a stake in solving this, our pantry network is going to be essential uh, for, the, for the future. Foundational, I would yeah. say, for sure. Yep. Well, Jerry Brisson and Dr. Phil Knight here, we are covering the fundamentals of food banking. What's the difference between a food bank and a pantry? And, and what is the work of the food bank and how does that happen? And, you know, one of the highest values we have is food safety. To make sure the food going into the community is safe, I'm going to get Jerry to talk about that in just a moment. You come back and be with us. Food first, Michigan. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. We're back, Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight, and the fundamentals of food banking here. A riveting uh, topic, I think, Jerry. I, you know, honestly, I get a lot of questions about what's the difference between a food bank and a, and a pantry. And like you said earlier, people go into a, their local pantry in their community and they think that's a food bank. And then they come to our, they come to the, the seven, one of the seven food banks across the state and they go, holy wow, this is, this, yeah. as you said, this looks like Costco. Um, it's, it's, it's such a big thing. And I don't, you know, I, I want to say that I, I'm not sure that people understand the, uh, 
all that goes into this work. And we're trying to do that on a radio show podcast right here to help them understand. But I think probably the next thing to talk about here is what I would determine to be the highest value that food banks have. And that is to make sure that the food that goes into the community through the pantries is safe. Yeah, it is absolutely the single biggest thing that we have systems in place to make sure about. And so you say, well, why is that so hard? Well, there's a lot of reasons why. Whenever you have food, you have pests and you got to make sure they don't get in the food, right? So you have to have pest control. You have to have, uh, you have to know how to store food so that it stays fresh as long as possible. You have to know what temperatures to store food at. You have to know what food is good that's being donated. I mean, some people go in their freezer and they say, you know what? Ah, this is kind of old. I'm going to give it to the food bank. Well, when you get it, you have to know, is that still good, right? You have to know by how it looks and how it smells. And I mean, there's so many things. And so we train all of our people, not just in the food bank, but in our whole network. We train everybody about food safety and how do you know that food is still good? But that's not all. Hmm. I don't know how many food recalls there have been in the last week, but I promise you it's more than five and can get up to literally dozens of products that get recalled because of a food safety issue somewhere in the food supply chain, right? Somebody found listeria or E. coli or something. And mm -hmm. so there was a huge peanut butter recall not that long ago. It, and, and so what happens when those products get recalled? Every food bank in the country, including all of us in Michigan, have to know who got that peanut butter from us. Because we got it from somebody, and now we got to know who got it from us. And we have to let them know, hey, you have some of this peanut butter. Well, how do we know that? Well, it's a, it's a information systems and the technology that we use to track everything, right? Those systems, right? Those, uh, we have the same inventory system as U.S. Food Service. Literally, we borrowed their system and made a food bank system out of it. And it, why it can't be entirely the same is because we not only just buy food in case lots, we get tons of food donated and most inventory systems aren't set up for that. So when food gets donated, we have to have a way to receive it. We have to know what it is, where it came from. Then we have to know where it's going and who got it so that whenever there's a food recall, we know exactly. And our goal is to get all that food either back or disposed of within 24 hours of the recall. Wow. That, that's a national standard, and, and we always do. We always do. Most of the time it's even quicker because the recall isn't that massive, and so you can get to it within hours, literally, of knowing. Uh, so, you know, that, that, those inventory and control systems are a huge part of the value that food banks give the network. You could say, well, why don't you get rid of the middleman and give all the food directly to the pantries? That used to be the way it was. And so I worked in a pantry and we'd get a call from Vlasic and they would say, I've got six truckloads of pickles. Where can I drop them off? Well, there's no way we could handle that many pickles, right? Right. So, so those kind of things, though, having the capacity and the infrastructure to take massive quantities of food when it's available and then distribute it equitably across a system of pantries is hugely important. And I think one more thing I want to say about food safety and infrastructure, sometimes more is better and sometimes it's not. 
And in the case of managing huge amounts of food, it is better to have hubs that are big enough and have the hundreds of trucks and the trained staff and the distribution centers to make that whole system not only efficient, but safe. And food banks enable taking food distribution to scale in the least expensive, safest, most effective way. And there really is nobody else that can do that work. And certainly no one who can do it at that scale, as you talk about using the pickles, for example. But uh, let me circle back to just one thing. Peanut butter is pretty important in my life. So, uh, you know, the ability to recall that to make sure that people are safe. Because, you know, I, I think it's important to say that, that there, are, there is the infrastructure both in technology and then there's the infrastructure in professionalism with people that know how to do this work. Um, and, I, I, Jerry, I was in a meeting the other day with, with Meyer, and um, th- there was a recall, and we had to have the same ability to find out what that, I think it was cottage cheese. That, and we had to know exactly where that cottage cheese went, just like Meyer, just like Kroger, just like Spartan Nash and Walmart and all the other. We had to have that same system and the professionals that know how to, what to do and how to do it. And I think that maybe that's a point that gets lost, let alone when you think about the infrastructure it takes to deliver and distribute across all of Michigan's 83 counties, the trucks, the professional drivers it takes, um, the inventory, the interactions between the, 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 the systems of the pantries and what they're ordering and what they're getting and who's making sure that's right and making sure that that's safe. It's just mind-boggling to me the sophistication it takes to do this work. Well, and why, you know, there's so many reasons that it's important, but if we just look at the pandemic as a, as a case in point, after the schools closed and kids all over the state, literally hundreds of thousands of kids, probably millions actually, uh, needed to have access to food that they weren't going to get in school. Could you imagine what would have happened if the state had to call 3,000 pantries and then figure out which communities didn't have pantries and then start to establish mobile pantries everywhere there weren't pantries? You would, you would have to manage over 5,000 different distributions within weeks. But that's exactly what the food banks did because we're ready for it. This is what we're built for. You know, we exist so that when the the community needs emergency and supplemental food, we can get it in, we can get it in fast, we can get it out, we can get it out safely, and, and we can do it so fast. I mean, literally within days of schools closing, there were hundreds of distributions in the state of Michigan that did not exist prior to that that all of a sudden popped up all over the state. Well, how did that happen? It wasn't It wasn't because some fairy sprinkled dust over the state and all of a sudden, you know, like Peter Pan flew in. No, it was the food banks that could do that. So who did the state have to call? One person, you, Dr. Phil. That's the only well, call that had to be made. And once that call was made, the food banks went into action and got it done. And that kind of scale does not happen overnight. That has been built up over a generation of food banks who have worked hard to be good at it. And I'll be damned, we are good at it. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, that's the truth. I, you know, and I love my job because I get to brag on you guys so much. And, uh, the, and it's just, I think people are surprised to know the level of professionalism, sophistication, um, and we're only trying to get better. You know, we're trying to get more data. We're trying to understand the, the, the folks in the community who need food even better so that we know that what we're doing to them is uh, for them is, is, is what they need us to do and how they need us to do it. So, Jerry, I know there's a couple more points we want to make. Let's take a quick break and pick it up on the other side of this segment. He's Jerry Brisson. I'm Dr. Phil Knight, and we're back. You come back and be with us, too. for being with us, everyone. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight, uh, talking about the fundamentals of who we are, what we do, who we do it with, and why it's so important. But, you know, there's a little more thought that goes into this, uh, Jerry, as well, in regard to, well, what's the, you know, popular phrase today, what's the end game? Yeah, so, you know, when we talk about what is a food bank, I think one of the most important things that a food bank is is thinking about how to solve food insecurity for everyone all the time. Have a, have a hunger-free community, right? So many times when you're working on the ground, all you're really trying to do is take care of the people in front of you, as I talked about earlier. And that's good. It's healthy. It's, it's holy work. It's really important work. But can we solve this whole problem of food insecurity for everyone that needs help? And the answer is yes, but who thinks about that stuff? And I think that's one of the unique things about food banks. We think about that stuff. So we have these five reasons that we just put out there that we say, here's why we think this is solvable ultimately. And, and we've, had, we've had this on the show, but I just want to say these five reasons really quick. The first reason we think it's solvable is because enough people care. You know, every major religion in the world says to feed the hungry, right? This Mm -hmm. isn't something that only a few people care about. Everybody cares about it. We know that child and hunger should never go together. And so it's just something people really care about. And that's one of the things that make it solvable. The second thing is we know the answer, it's food, and we know how to get it. I mean, there's a, there is food. It's not like we have to invent a cure to cancer that you don't know. We know what the answer is, and we can get it to people, and so we think it's solvable because we know the solution is attainable. The, the third reason is because it's less expensive to solve hunger and food insecurity than let it continue. Healthcare costs are astronomically higher if people are hungry. Education is astronomically harder if people are hungry. Even working with coworkers who are hungry is harder than, than working with coworkers who are all nourished right. I mean, the bottom line is it permeates every system and it's a lot cheaper to just feed people who need help we can prove the impact of solving hunger. Again, it's hard work, but we can do it and we've been doing it for years and we continue to understand more deeply and more completely what it means when hunger is solved. And and being able to prove the impact is another reason we think it's solvable. And then lastly, you don't have to solve it all at once. 
You innovate, you learn, you innovate, you learn, and you keep solving it a piece at a time, and you can eventually get there. So those are five really significant reasons why we believe this is solvable, and I don't think there's as big a problem that is also as solvable. And food banks think about this stuff. Yeah, I love that. In fact, we're about to embark on another uh, you know, phase of our strategic planning. This, and we're really more than ever going to be able to look at this as a statewide entity. How do these seven food banks, our entire board of directors, look at this and how do we do this and accomplish this together? Uh, stronger, better, together. And uh, we're putting that in, into action. Well, Jerry, thanks for your expertise and sharing so much from 30-plus uh, years of doing this work and, uh, and having an impact. You found uh, the, the, just the right space between success and significance, and we thank uh, you for it. Well, thank you, Doctor, and, and appreciate all you do and all you bring to this work as well. And for all of you listening, you are all part of this wonderful, important, impactful system of having a food-secure Michigan. Food first, right? I know that's going to come up real soon. Real soon. In fact, right now, time for a little food for thought. Well, this is who we are, and this is what we do, and this is how we started all the way back in 1967. The oldest food bank in Michigan is the food bank our co-host leads, Gleaners Community Food Bank, founded in 1977. So here, we've been 55 years since the founding of America's first food bank. The needs, our methods, the sophistication that to do this work is ever-changing, but the mission never does. Solve hunger today, create food security as soon as possible. And we do that by putting and keeping food first, folks, food first. First Michigan, presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.